For this year, we are starting off with a theme, as you can see behind me, and that theme is the word commit. And uh, we have some passages of Scripture that are challenging us to commit our ways and our work to the Lord, to trust in Him, and to promise that the Lord will act and that we will find success when we commit these things to the Lord. So for the next several weeks, through the, actually through the month of March, we're going to be looking at different aspects of our life to commit to God so that we might see God working in our life more clearly, so we might uh, see uh, Him moving around us and working through the things that He has blessed us with. This morning we are going to be following the blueprint from Matthew chapter 6, so for the next three weeks. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says three different things. He says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And I think of those three, if we actually were honest with it, at least myself, when you pray seems to be the one I'm most consistent with. Um, I, I'll pray daily, and, and, I'll, and I'll talk to God daily, but I think the other ones we may struggle with. And this morning we're going to be turning our attention to committing to the tithe, and by walking through a passage of Scripture we may be familiar with, if you have your Bible with you, we'll be in Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, in chapter 3, and we'll be in chapter or verse 6 here in a second. According to the nonprofit source, only 5% of churchgoers go tithe. And of that 5%, 80% of those only give 10, or 2%. Of that pool, the research goes on to say that only 3 to 5% tithe regularly. So that's a pretty small pool. And I understand that we don't like talking about money. I understand some of us may be here this morning and you're visiting and you think this is all the church talks about or all pastors preach on. Um, I want to reassure you it's not. Um, I went back to look. I keep track of messages I preach and I went back to look over the last three years if I've been, as I've been the pastor here at Harvest Hill. And I've only preached on tithing specifically two times in three years. Now I may have mentioned tithing, or giving in that time, but I've only preached specifically on this subject two times in the last three years. So I personally have been failing you as a church and as God's people by not addressing this subject. I think a lot of times we think it's all pastors preach on, and when pastors do preach on it, our churches talk about it, our immediate reaction can become defensive. It's none of your business what I do with my money. And here's the reality. I, I don't really care what you do with your money or the things God has given you, but God does. God cares a lot about what you and I do with the things He has blessed us with. If you read through the Gospels, you will see that Jesus deals with possessions and money a majority of the time outside of the love of God and the power of God. It's one of His top subjects. If you read through the entire Bible, you see that God deals with money and possessions frequently in dealing with his people and one thing that has helped me in dealing with money and i still struggle with it uh, she's just smiling so you can't see her face she's in the front row today um, i still struggle with it i still get grumpy about it at times but one thing that has helped me in the last several years when it comes to money and possessions is realizing even if something has my name on it it does not belong to me i do not own it all things, according to Scripture, belong to God. And so when I begin to release possession or control of those things, I begin to have a healthier view of money and possessions. We're talking about committing to the tithe. And again, we're going to be in Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12 this morning. 
And this is what we're going to be dealing with in our own heart. Trusting in the almighty dollar versus trusting in the almighty God. That's really what it comes down to when it comes down to the tithe and comes down to offerings. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. The context of the book deals with God to point out burdens to His people. And there are six burdens altogether. It begins by dealing with the priesthood and, and their unholy use of that service. God then turns His attention to marriage and idolatry. And the fifth burden that God deals with deals with the tithe and offering. And if we begin to think of money and the way Scripture defines money, maybe that will help with our understanding. In Scripture, money can refer to dollar or possessions. It is anything to which we give value to. That's the word money in Scripture, particularly in the Greek of the New Testament. Because we can give value to things, what happens is we can get a sense of worth, a sense of security, a sense of peace, or allow that thing to misplace our trust in it. If we're going through hard times, we might believe that if I just had more money, things would be better. Or if we're going through a difficult situation, we might believe if I just had that thing, I would be a lot happier. And so we begin to misplace our trust. The Bible says that money and possessions are not evil, but they are the root of all evil. And how we see that play out is because we can allow a silly piece of paper, a coin, or a plastic card to cause us stress, lose sleep. We see it split marriages, destroy families, and give a false sense of security in our life. So when God comes to His people in the book of Malachi in verse 6, He begins with a statement. Here it is. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Before the Lord comes to His people to deal with the issue of money and possessions, He wants to remind them of this very honest truth that He does not change. And why is that important? Because He is telling His people, I have been faithful to you. I have kept my promises to you. He reminds them of their identity. You are the children of Jacob. You are the children of covenant. You are the children of promise. And I am your God. The context of Malachi is the people of God have seen the results of their unfaithfulness and disobedience to God's word in their life, which has led to their captivity in Babylon. So the Lord comes to His people who have been unfaithful and are continuing to live in unfaithfulness. And He says, despite all this, I have been faithful to you because I do not change. And I am the God of promises. I am the God of covenant. And I have held up my end of the deal. He goes on in verse 7, From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not cut them. What God is reminding them is that I know who you are. I know your background. I know that ever since I brought you out of Egypt, ever since I brought you out of bondage, you have constantly been wrestling with me, grumbling towards me, disobeying me, yet I have remained true in your life and I have continued to provide for you. The freedoms you currently have are not because of who you are, but because I am your God. And the blessings you have in your life is not because of your ability or talents. It's because I am your God. I have given you all these things. And so he tells them that you are not consumed. And it's not that you're not consumed in verse 6 because of what you have done. 
You're living in disobedience. You're living in unfaithfulness. You are not consumed, though you deserve to be, because I am the Lord. And I love you. And so he issues a plea to his people in verse 7, Return to me, and I will return to you. And here in Scripture we have this picture of a loving Heavenly Father crying out to His children in mercy and grace to get right with Him, to come back to Him, to what the Bible refers to as repent, the same thing that God does in our own life when we fall into disobedience and unfaithfulness and lack of trusting of His Word, is to repent, to return, to get right with Him. And He doesn't come out in wrath. He's almost begging them, return to Me. But the issue in Malachi is that the people of God are so spiritually complacent and so hard-hearted, they don't even know that they've left the presence of God. They go on to say, How shall we return? The New Living Translation reads it as, How can we return when we have never gone away? So here we have the image of a faithful, loving, heavenly Father crying out to His children, Come back to me! And His children responding, I didn't know we moved. I didn't know something had changed. They didn't feel that they had actually left the presence of God. The people of God in Malachi become so blind because they've been living in sin and their heart had become so hard that when God came to rebuke them in love, they didn't even see the problem. It's a dangerous place to be, but the Lord doesn't deal with their spiritual blindness. He doesn't deal with their stupidity of sinful living at this point. Do you notice the Lord doesn't answer their question about how shall we return? The reason he doesn't, because he's already been revealing burdens. This is the burden number five of how they've moved away from him. But it leads the Lord to ask and state their spiritual condition in verse 8. He says, will, you, will man rob God? You are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contribution? I hate it when people steal. I hate when I see it on the news. And I've only, thankfully had something stolen from me a couple times in my life, and neither time was I very excited about it. I don't know, if, would you all agree when something's just stolen? It, it doesn't feel good. And this is what God is coming to His people. He's saying, by your actions, by your lack of faith in bringing in the tithe and the contributions, you are robbing me. And what makes it worse is the spiritual place of the people. They're unaware they've been doing anything wrong. The Malachi, the Lord reveals the people have of the importance of the tithe and contributions. That word contribution can also be read as offerings. The word tithe in Scripture means tenth. That's what it means. And from Genesis to Deuteronomy, the Lord has told His people they are to bring a tithe or a tenth of all that they have worked for, all that they have received, and all that they have earned, and they are bringing it into the storehouse and the temple of God. So this command was given to the people to take a physical element Respond with a physical action which would represent a spiritual and faith life and mindset. It was a representation of their heart. And to understand what's going on in the people of Malachi is they were living in difficult times. The context of Malachi is God's people are under a foreign government, a pagan government. And this government was taxing them. And God's people didn't like to pay taxes, which as an adult we're getting to that point where we don't like to pay taxes either, right? And, but the problem was they had to pay the taxes because if they didn't pay the taxes, the government would come after them. And so that's money out of their pocket. 
On top of that, the land they were living was not producing the crop and the harvest that they were used to. So there wasn't as much money coming in, yet they still had their family and their children to provide for. And so more money was going out. So in the midst of this hard times, taxation, not enough money coming in, not enough money to go around to provide. And so who gets skipped out? God. And we do the exact same thing. Because we go through and we look at our budget and we look at what's coming in. We know what is expected. We know if I don't pay my taxes, if I don't pay my bills, if I don't pay the electrical bill or the water bill or the mortgage or the house or the car bill, I know somebody's going to come in and punish me and take that away. I know there's a punishment if I don't pay those things. I know as a parent that if I don't feed and clothe my children, there are now numerous hotline numbers that they can call up. And since my son now has a phone number, that's a dangerous place to be as a parent, right? And so I know there's a punishment for that. If I don't take care of my kids, if I don't take care of my family, if I don't pay the bills that come in. And so I can be just like the people of Malachi. I can pay all of these expenses, make sure everything's paid for, and then I get to the bottom line and I see what I have and I say, there is not enough to go around. And so what do I do? I will skip out on the tithe. That's why God says the tithe is to be the first fruit. Right off the top. The first 10%. I don't even... I don't even look at the bills. I don't even look at the groceries that are going to be needed this month. I don't even look at the holes in my kids' shoes yet. When God puts money in the bank, I write the check, and that goes right back to God to 10%. And then I take care of everything else. I will admit that until our son was born, even though I was in the ministry, we did not tithe. And that wasn't Jamie's fault. That was mine. Because I saw the bills, I saw the responsibilities, and I thought there is not enough to go around. And you may be here the same, the same way right now. There is not enough to go around. I do the math and it does not add up. And here's the beauty of God. He says, I do not change. And we have to believe that God can do math a little bit better than we can. And can God can provide in ways that we never saw imaginable. God can make that dollar stretch even further. And so he comes to his people and he calls them out. Bring in the full tithe. Verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and there, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12, Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight. God was fully aware of the burdens of His people. He was fully aware of their checkbook in the Old Testament. He was fully aware of what was coming in and what was required to go out. God was not oblivious to this. He is aware of His people's needs and the things that they are going through. And so God comes because he knows that we all wrestle with this. And, and you better mark this if you haven't marked that already. This is the only time, only time in Scripture where God comes to his people and says, test me on this. God comes to his people and says, I triple dog dare you 
to test me on the tithe and see if I am not the Lord who does not change and see if I am not faithful. It was long before Ralphie and his friends stuck their tongue to the fire pole. God comes to his people and says, I know you're wrestling. I know you have burdens. I know you have troubles. I know you can't see the whole picture. But if you just test me, I promise you, you'll see the results. And did you notice the results he told his people? See if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more heaven. That phrase, open up the windows of heaven, that's flood talk from Genesis. God is saying, if you would just test me, if you would just trust me on this issue, I will open up, I will flood you with blessings. So if I just trust God with the tithe, the, right off the top, God promises to bless me. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for you in verse 11. He promises his protection in the end of verse 11. Your vine in the field shall not fail to bear. He promises with abundance. Verse 12, he says, all the nations will call you blessed. He promises that people will look on the way we live and trust in God, that they will be in awe, not of who we are, but who he is. All because of the tithe. And so here's the question. How important is the tithe to the Lord if He is willing to back it up with this sort of outcome? How ignorant is it of us to withhold from the Lord when we hear of what He will do in our life? Test me on this. You can read other times in Scripture where, God, where Jesus says, do not put your Lord your God to the test, but not when it comes to the tithe. The people of Malachi had been blind to what they were doing or not doing. And we can become blind when we start talking about money. You, you may have already flipped a switch in your brain, your heart, when you saw commit to the tithe behind me before I even started preaching. We can already shut it down we can become hard of hearing to the commands of God. But the reality in the Malachi says, when we do this, we keep the Lord from making us into the people that He wants to make us into. When we decide we're going to shut down on what God says about money and possessions or anything else in our life, and we're going to like, well, you know, that's nice for you. We actually keep God from making us into the person, the people, the family, the marriage, that He wants to make us into. So the people of Malachi here, they were going to be choosing to forfeit a blessing of God and a promise of God. God wants to bless His children. He wants to bless His children. That may not be with material things, but He wants to bless us and take care of us so we don't have any need, that He is all we need. But when we live knowingly in disobedience to His Word, what we do is we forfeit the blessing that He has for us today and possibly tomorrow. The Bible says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For for whatever one sows, that will He also reap. And so when I come to the tithe, what happens, and I understand in this text, is when we rob God, we actually rob ourselves. We may be holding back the tithe. We may be saying we're going to just keep that, but we're actually robbing ourselves. It may be a a physical tithe that we hold, but we are spiritually calling God to withhold a blessing to us, and instead of a blessing, we're left with a curse. Again, this text says that God gives us full permission to experiment. Put me to the test in verse 10. And so that's why it begins and how we end. 
when it comes to the tithes, when it comes to offerings, when it comes to money, it is all a matter of trust. Am I going to trust earthly riches or eternal promises? That's the question. Am I going to trust earthly riches, what I can figure out, what I can see, my plan, or am I going to trust eternal promises of the Lord who does not change? Once were two men, one was a pastor, another was a, a friend of his, and they were just starting off in their careers. And they decided right at the get-go, they're going to make a pact that they're going to begin to tithe. And so that first year, the pastor and this man began to tithe, and, and they didn't make a whole lot that year. The man made about $10,000, so he tied 1000 Over the course of time, he began to find himself getting higher up in the business and higher up in the company, where the next year he earned $100,000, and so he had tithed $10,000 of, of his income. Years passed, and he moved and began working his way up into the business and found himself making a million dollars a year. And he remained faithful, so he tied $100,000 to the church that he was attending. More years passed, and he was almost a top guy in the company, finding himself making $6 million a year. But as he began writing the checks for the tithe, he became consumed with the thought of all this money, and he couldn't write it anymore. So he calls up his pastor friend and says, Hey, I'd like to meet with you. I'd like to talk. And they set up an appointment because he had moved away. And so he goes back and he meets with his pastor friend. And he says, look, this, this tithe stuff has got to quit. This is ridiculous. I was fine when it was $10,000 a year or even $100,000, even a million years. But now I'm having to write $600,000 a year to this tithe stuff. you got to do something. The pastor smiles and gets down on his knees and begins to pray. Now, if you're like me, and I would be like this guy, the pastor's just praying, and I'm sitting here waiting for a response. Eventually, this man gets kind of irritated. He, he wants to know. So he interrupts the pastor. He interrupts his friend and says, so, so what, what's your conclusion? What are you doing? Are you praying that God would let me out of this? The pastor lifts up his head and looks at his friend and says, no, I'm praying God would reduce your income to the point where you can tithe freely again. When God blesses us, and He will, don't become like the people of Malachi. Don't become like the pastor's friend. I've seen blessings of God's people testing God and seeing God's promise fulfilled in their life when they tithe. And they celebrate God in the moment, and then days ahead they begin to slip away. They've been praying for a new, a new job and a higher income, but the problem is, is they become so tired that they begin skipping out on church. They get more money so they can buy new toys. The problem is they can only use those toys on the weekends. When God blesses us, the blessings of God are meant to lead us into praising and trusting God more, not to lead us away. And the blessings of God are meant so that we can become a blessing to others. The final note, the Bible makes a difference between the tithe and the offering. He says, tithes and contributions, your, your Bible may say tithes and offerings, and there's a difference. The word offering is more highlighted in difference in the invigorating book of Leviticus. You can read it there if you'd like, um, or come Wednesday night, we're going to be walking through it. Um, the tithe is something that all of God's people are commanded to give, to bring in a tenth right off the top of what God has given in your life. The offering 
is something above the tithe, not something from the tithe. And I've seen God's people do this in my own life. I don't know if it happens here. Our elder Mike Marler takes care of the finances more than I do. But what I've experienced and what may or may not be happening here, when we tithe, we do not get to tell God how He can use His money. When you give a tithe, you do not have the right to allocate how you want that tithe or where you want that tithe to go. You just write the check, however you do it, cash, check, or the electronic thing, and it just goes into the budget. The tithe is an act of trust and worship to God that He has provided, and He is going to continue to provide, and we give it back to Him for him to use as he sees fit, not as we do. And so when I am tithing, I am giving God complete control. That's why it's an act of trust. And I'm letting go of control of that. So I can't tell God, here's my tithe, and I want 3% to go to the youth ministry, and 3% to go to the children's ministry, and the rest to go to the pastor, which would be nice, but you know, we don't do that. This is done through Harvest Hill through the budget team ministry, and when we vote on the budget at a family meeting. We have the budget line and all the tithe that comes in. That's what makes up the budget, and we have those things allocated, and we talk about those, we pray about those, and we vote about those. That's when that is done. Now, the offering. An offering is response on the part of God's people to give above the tithe. Above the tithe. And that can be allocated because the Lord has placed the need of it on His people's hearts. For example, for the last three years, we have had offerings that have gone to the youth ministry. We have had offerings to go to Vacation Bible School. We have had offerings to pay off the church van several years back. We have had offerings to renovate the, the church kitchen. We've had offerings to pay for the church sign. We've had people give money to help kids go to camp in the summer, whether it's youth camp or children's camp. We have offerings that help small groups to get materials. These are offerings, both of which are saying, I am trusting God. One is something that God has placed on my heart to give above what I'm already commanded to give. And so I have an offering I want to place before you today. And trust me, I don't like talking about these things any more than you like hearing about them, okay? I'm not saying you have to give to this. I'm saying right now, all I want you is to pray about this. There is a need here at Harvest Hill. Currently, this beautiful building that God has given us and allows us to use, we, we continue to owe on it. And we have in our budget a budget line that comes through the tithes that goes to pay for this building. And over the past four years, we have paid off nearly, or past three years, we have paid off nearly $100,000. That's through individuals giving above their tithe $10, to $1,000, but above their tithe. This building started at $350,000 that we owed. And believe me, we got it. I mean, that was a blessing in itself because I, I don't think you could buy this building for that price today. And just over the time we've been in this building, we are now down to $135,000. If no one gives and we just go through the tithe, we'll have this building down to $112,000. I don't know if we can pay this off in a year, but I do know we praise and worship and trust the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 
And He can provide it tomorrow if He wanted to. He can do anything. But what I would like everyone to do, and if you're visiting with us, at this point in time, I'm giving you permission. You can turn me off for a second. Unless you have like a really large bank account, then turn it up. But, uh, just kidding. I'm asking, if you call Harvest Hill your home, and this is where God wants you to be, all I'm asking you to do right now is I want you to pray and seek God. God, do you want me to give above the tithe to the building? $10 a month, $10 a week? I don't know the amount. But I believe if we seek God and we're wanting to trust God with this, even though we may be in a difficult situation, the people of Malachi were in a difficult situation, but God's saying, just trust me on this. Just test me on this. I believe God will give you a number. It may be zero. It may be a hundred. It may be a thousand. He may say, you know what, when you do a tax return, I want you to give it all. This is why the tithe and offering is a matter of trust. Because I can trust in the dollar, I can trust in my bank account, I can trust in my own abilities, but God wants me to trust Him. So I just want you to pray about it. Some of y'all here, money is not the thing that God's going to put on your heart. And here's what I want you to pray about. Would you be willing to pray, God, do you want me to give an offering of my time? An offering of my time in the nursery. An offering of my time in Children's Church. An offering of my time on Wednesday night helping Jason or other leaders on Wednesday night live. Would you be willing to pray, God, I want to trust you with my time. It's your time anyway. You know the number of my days. And I'm going to trust you with this. First and foremost, here's your application. Remember last week we talked about studying Scripture and you have to get the application. Here's your application. If you're not tithing, tithe. That's it. If you're not tithing, tithe. And it may be scary at times. You may, it may not add up, but God says, trust me in this. Test me. And you may have to make certain decisions. You know what? I don't need four coffees from Starbucks or Common Grounds in one day. God will provide. Don't worry, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> or is it the Starbucks thing that got you? Yeah, it is that. Yeah. But both the tithe and the offering are acts of obedience to the Word of God, and it's all a matter of trust. Do I trust him at his word? Do I trust the Lord who will not change? Why should we do this? Well, one, because we can become pretty attached to stuff in this world, possessions and money and things we think we own. The other reason is because God is not asking us to do something that he has not done. Matter of fact, God didn't give a tenth. He didn't give a tithe. God went all in. He went all in for you. And you may be here this morning, and the application isn't so much the tithe. The application for you this morning is to accept God's gift of salvation for you. God went all in. He held nothing back. He sacrificed His only Son who was perfect for you and my sins. The Bible says we all sin and fall short of God's glory. And the wage of that sin is death. That word death is eternal separation from the God of the living. But the free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God went all in. And you may be here this morning, and that's the gift you need to accept. That God loves you. 
He offers you His mercy and grace just as He offered the people in Malachi to accept His gift in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, that world is you. For God so loved you, He gave His only Son. There was no plan B. He was all in with Jesus. And whoever would believe in Him should not perish. The word perish means destroyed. Should not be destroyed, but have eternal life. You may be here this morning, and that is what you need to accept this morning. God went all in for you in His love. If that is you, I'm going to ask you to come down. If you just know, I, I do not know Jesus my Lord and Savior. I am not saved. I'm going to ask you to come down as the worship team is going to begin coming up. You just come down and say, Pastor Mike, I want to be saved. I want to accept God's gift for me. Maybe you're here this morning and talking about the tithe or talking about money. is kind of, I get it. Been there, done that. Maybe you just need to come and kneel before the Father and say, Lord, help me to commit these plans, these works to you. Help me to trust in you as our verses say. Give me the strength. We all know the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us, taking care of us. Lord, thank you for giving us your word and how you promised us these things in your word. If we would just trust you with the things that you already own, but the things you've blessed us with. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing at Harvest Hill. I thank you, Lord, for the times that you have just amazed us in the way you've provided when we didn't even see it coming. And you have stepped in and you have provided that opening of the floodgates. And Lord, I know you want to do that in each and every family that is here this morning. Father, you know our wrestlings in our heart. You know our, our fears and trusting you in things that we have to give control over to you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning that you would just help us to be faithful to your word and to trust you. Lord, I pray for those here this morning who do not know you as your Lord and Savior. Lord, they are not your child. Father, the Spirit has been pulling on their heart. And they just may be here and they're just not sure. They're not 100% confident that they're saved. Father, I ask that your Spirit would just move them from their seat. Give them the courage to walk down the aisle and let that be known. Above else, as we come this time of invitation, this time of response, Lord, let us not just be hearers of your word, but doers. And I thank you for what you're going to do in this time. We praise all in the name of Jesus. Amen.